Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into all the things that we have been uh, watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're talking 2000, early 2000 slashers, Giallo, and Sky Monsters. Sky Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Going away from like the very unified um, theme of Christmas to just a, a, a mixed bag again. You know, we're back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> no unity in our in our movie choices this week. That is no, for sure. It's out the window. Uh, I know we talked about like a New Year's film. I think I just forgot that about even like what what is even a New Year's horror film? Well, you know the thing is, is that I was I actually watched one to talk about this week, and then it got superseded by the fact that I want to talk about this other one. Okay, but like uh, Tra- Terror Train is a New Year's oh, Eve that's movie, right. and. Uh, that one had a uh, that's jamie lee curtis right yeah and it has some weird things to say about gender identity i'm not sure oh, whether it's a good thing or whether great. it's a bad thing but it's it's definitely a thing yeah and then there was like new year's evil which sounded kind of interesting where like there was somehow a killer killing people at the stroke of midnight in each time zone leading up to killing a dj which oh, seemed like yeah. it might okay. be interesting. I've also heard of that one. Okay. Yeah. So there's a few. I had put out on Twitter a call, and I, I got back a, a, a surprising, surprisingly more than I thought I was going to get, because it's not exactly like, you know, Christmas or the holidays or something, but they are out there. Hmm. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't watch New Year's. We didn't, we're not talking about New Year's horror, but Terry, what have you watched that you want to talk about? I know you have a couple good things. Instead of the New Year's horror, I watched, <laughs> you know, so... This movie is coming out. The only reason I want to talk about this uh, this week is that this movie will be out on the day that this episode airs on the 1st of January. And I discounted this movie for the longest time because the the poster art for it doesn't really tell you what this movie is about. The name of the movie doesn't really tell you what this movie is about. 
I thought this movie was basically a fighter pilot movie, and it's not, although it sort of okay. is. It's called Shadow in the Cloud. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this premiere, this came out. Um, uh, this was like one of the three movies at uh, TIFF Midnight, like the virtual TIFF Midnight. Yeah. Showings. And I I know that it was uh it premiered with what was a violation. Yes. It it premiered next to Violation, another film that I unfortunately can't remember the name of. But I can't either. Uh, violation and uh, Shadow in the Cloud, clouds Ooh. and. I just I haven't seen the Shadow in the Clouds, but I cannot imagine how it could be anything like Violation. <laughs> like not yeah. even remotely similar. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah. Besides the fact so... <laughs> they are both directed by women, which is great. Yeah. But like Violation is this horrific like examination of rape revenge, and Shadow in the Clouds seems more like um Twilight Zoney, maybe? Well, here's the thing. So this movie is and I and I understand like it, it's gotten kind of a mixed response, although it is sitting at 76% on the Rotten Tomato meter right now, mm-hmm. um, with like 46 reviews in. So like overwhelmingly people's critics seem to be enjoying this movie out of um out of TIFF and uh since then. But I can understand why there are people that didn't like it because it is like two different movies kind of smashed together. But for me, it really works. So, like, the premise behind it is there's this woman, and she's a fighter pilot. She's, like, gone on unarmed missions in the past. Like, it's set in, like, World War II, and she is needing to hitch this ride on this uh, this allied plane that is leaving, and she has a satchel that she says is, like, it's all top secret stuff handed down by the Major, and... Anytime someone tries to give her guff and all the men on the board try to give her guff because she is a woman and it is World War II or today, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> she she gets on the plane, but she has to because there's no room on the plane. She has to sit in the little Spiri gun, which is the little kind of orb shaped turret on the bottom of the ships. Mm-hmm. And so she's sitting in there while her package that is fragile and must be protected at all costs is with one of the men who said that he will take care of it. And she's sitting in the, in the gunnery seat and she sees something on the plane that is like climbing on the plane. And it is a little rat. And this movie is about a gremlin on a plane. Oh my God. Gremlins. (laughs) It's very pulpy. Like from the very beginning, it opens up with this like cartoon kind of like warning thing, like to, to pilots about like, you know, watch out, you know, everyone's talking about gremlins, but gremlins aren't real. So you need to really just pay attention to your surroundings and, attention to each other so like from the very beginning it has this kind of like pulp adventure that is like kind of mined in, in a nostalgic way in like the indiana jones movies and whatnot sort of that kind of adventure mold you know set during the nazi time and she's like wearing this like really badass leather jacket and it's 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 filmed very much like a like a pulpy adventure mm. and it starts off as like this uh very kind of paranoid uh locked room scenario because she's very quickly stuck in the gunnery seat um because the plane is literally falling apart because of this gremlin and she sees this gremlin and all the men are just voices in her ear discounting her and gaslighting her and saying you know basically being misogynistic and then at one point it completely changes tone and i think that that is the point where a lot it's going to lose a bunch of people oh because it started off as being a super serious movie and then turns into this. It really shows itself as a really pulpy adventure. And it's, I think it's a lot of fun. 
I think it's cool. uh, I love the fact that this was directed by a woman. I don't love the fact that it originally started out as a Max Landis script. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and th- the thing is, is that like before, even before filming of this movie, it came out about him and, you know, all of all of his things, <laughs> all of the bad stuff attached to him. And the director rewrote a lot of the script, but because of the way the WGA credits things, he had to be credited on the script. So even though, from what I've heard, the script has very little outside of the the basic story of what he started with, he is still he is still attached to it because of WGA rules, which is unfortunate. I don't like that. Yeah, but um, I mean, he was basically before even filming, he was not attached to this movie at all. So uh, I feel okay supporting it because it's it's a woman director. He was kicked off. She rewrote his script. Like he is, his name is on it in name only. Fortunately, okay. Well, that I mean, I'm glad that at least she got like some kind of autonomy over the script. Yeah. And it has, uh, I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that it has Chloe Grace Moretz in it. Oh my it God, has, yeah. It has Nick Robinson in a oh, small part. Weird. Who, of course, wow. was Simon in Love, Simon. Okay. I think it's a lot of fun. It is out today. And I personally recommend it. I mean, it's not like, I don't think it's perfect. I do think there's some iffy ish- issues with it. But like, I think it's a whole blast. And I think if you enter that with an idea that this is a pulp adventure in your mind, you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Cool. I was I was like cackling at some of the things that happened in this movie. It's so fun. Sweet. <laughs> and over I'm the excited top. to see it. I'm very excited to see it. I think it like I know it got pretty weird reception out of Tiff, but again, I think that was because it was one of three movies and it was pretty much up next to violation and the tones Ooh, yeah. could not be different, it no. sounds like. <laughs> and the tones in this movie couldn't be different. Like I said, it starts off as like an almost it starts off as like this kind of indie feature where you have basically a person stuck in a room and seeing things and no one's believing them. So it has that very like locked room indie feel, you know what I mean? Of like mm, uh yeah. centigrade or like a mo- like those movies where they're stuck in a location and bad things are happening. And then it just kind of changes. <laughs> cool. Okay. I'm very excited to see this now. And it's coming out, like you said, the 1st um, of January, which is Jesus. That's so soon. Happy it's now. New Year, everybody. <laughs> it's now. Yeah, that's right. And then the other thing that I watched, and I think you watched as well, is with the remake slash reboot slash whatever it is coming out in January, I wanted to go through the Wrong Turn series. So I watched the first wrong turn. So did I. Yeah. I also did. I watched it on my $1 DVD from Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the that way, is the best the way, way to watch it. The way the Lord intended. <laughs> yes. Uh, so in case you have not seen this movie, it is from 2003. It is basically a bunch of friends stranded in the middle of West Virginia. I think it's West Virginia. Yes, it is, in fact, West Virginia, because I fought at that at one point. <laughs> Like, of course and it's West Virginia. Their car breaks down, and they're stranded, and they are picked off one by one by cannibalistic mountain men. I, that's basically who are it. Very obvi- who have very obvious birth defects, and it is very much made for them to look not human. And it is that's very it, the whole the whole construct around the villains is very bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but not as good. Yeah, it, it came out the same year as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I need to, I have to revisit that one. That has been forever since I've seen that. I really like it. I think it holds up. I I've heard that, and Jessica Biel's in it, which is always. Well, it, that was the thing that like jumps out at me about this movie and like movies of the early aughts is that you had like a lot of up and coming and or relatively famous people doing uh, horror movies. Like in this movie, yeah. you had Elijah Dushku. Oh, my God. She, the, I'm sorry. Her reveal is amazing when she walks up from behind the truck and is holding barbed wire. <laughs> and it's just like it was put in the middle of the road. I was like, hello. Hi. You're here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And then Desmond Harrington as the the doctor who's trying to get to his interview. Who, gosh, I had such a crush on him. Yes. He was and then Dexter. he was in Dexter. Yes, uh, he was in Dexter. And then he had Jeremy Sisto in this. Yeah, yeah, so many people I was like, oh my god, I forgot about you. Like, I have not watched an early 2000s um, slasher in a very long time. And this has gotten me to watch, want to watch every single one. Like I was Googling early 2000s slashers. I bought Cherry Falls on Blu-ray at my local (laughs) record store. Have you seen that before? No, I haven't, but I've heard of it and Brittany Murphy's (laughs) in it. And I know it's probably really goofy, but it was like $4 and I said, I have to get it. Um, So that's what I'm doing. And I'm just going to start doing a deep dive into early 2000s slashers. And I have become obsessed with the idea of the early 2000s final girl. So we're just going to – that's my new thing for 2021. There you go. I think. I have a lot of thoughts. So (laughs) we're just going to dive right into it because I know everyone talks shit about early 2000s horror. And I actually think there's a lot of good, interesting stuff in there. And I think that that obviously that conversation is is, um, transforming. But this really like opened up my mind. (laughs) In a way yeah. that Ron Turin probably wasn't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it made me realize is that how much I missed the early like 2000s when horror movies used rock music. Oh my god, I know! <laughs> like this and like Blair Witch 2 and like well, any, anything. Anything that came out at this time period was using like heavy, well, heavy metals calling it very lightly, but like the kind of... <laughs> hard rock or like the alternative rock music and i missed that i know the faculty did it too but that's technically late 90s but but i think it can kind of continue i, I do think that like yeah. you see like the early aughts is sort of like the dying time of like the the 90s uh slasher teen slasher tropes is like starting to die out in the early 2000s and that yeah. was definitely something that, that i think started maybe in like scream with like the rock music and and that kind of that t- that kind of time but i love that it continued into the early 2000s i know well like you buy the cds and like play them in your car i, I miss did. buying cds i miss buying cds so much i, I do too this is like a total like side tangent but there was um my mom had the uh soundtrack to daredevil the ben affleck movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had Evanescence on it, and we would oh, play yeah. Evanescence and scream it at the top of our lungs from the Daredevil. Wake me up! <laughs> Wake me up, <laughs> No, Evanescence. <laughs> I love them. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that it made me miss is like, I'm like, where is my Noah Centineo slasher or my Timothy Chalamet or like, you know, Florence right? Pugh or like Michael B. Jordan or Zazie Beats? I want them in like some sleazy teen slasher young adult slasher like this where it's like 
Where is I that? Don't, you don't see that anymore. No, you don't. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, I'm so bummed because like this had, I'm thinking, thinking of House of Wax now, like Chad yeah. Michael Murray was in that and Paris right. Hilton and like all of the, and then, you know, like I said, Wrong Turn had all of these people that were like up and coming because Alicia Dishku was in um, Buffy, right? Yes, I believe so. <laughs> and <laughs> I know, she, I think she was an angel for a couple episodes and I, I think she was in Buffy. I don't really know. Okay. I've that, never whatever. seen Buffy neither have i um but it's just like it seems like now you don't get your st- like this there isn't really like sleazy slashers anymore it feels like it feels no. like either like elevated slashers right and i was i was thinking about this with like even the rental because the rental turns into a slasher and it had like yeah. it, that that is like probably the closest i would say to these this kind of like cast but like and but they're not even like up and coming like no. Allison Brie and Dan Stevens are so established and it's not marketed right. as a slasher. I just think it's interesting how the slasher has changed so much. Like this is this and it's funny because Wrong Turn is the kind of movie that it came out when I was 10. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> Fuck so. me. I was 22. Oh. <laughs> I was so small, but I was I was ten, and so it was a couple years later, obviously, that I was really getting into horror. And this was one of those movies that I was scared to watch because I thought the gore would freak me out. Mm-hmm. And now I watch it now, and I'm like, this ain't nothing. <laughs> so right? funny to see like what would have been so terrifying to me as like a middle schooler, high schooler, and then now I'm just like, oh yeah, that's not uh, whatever. That's totally fine. Like that's nothing. It's not. They barely you don't you barely even see them eating anybody. So like no. Although I, I will say that the chopping sequences are still, I think, I think it works They're, in that, like, yeah, it shows you enough to like let your mind fill in the rest. It's true, it definitely does. I mean, I'm I'm shitting on it a lot, but I actually really had fun with it. You know what? Also, it, kind of going along with that, what what surprised me is that if this was a a relatively small film release now, it would be it would be like the rental where it's like the action is crammed into like the last 30 minutes, but this actually is it like they're being chased by the monsters in the second act at the beginning of the second act. Whereas like in a lot of movies nowadays, it would be the kind of midpoint that they would finally start ramping up the action. But like, there's some really good set pieces throughout this entire film. I agree. And I feel like the action starts pretty quick too. Like, yeah. it, well, and also the movie is like less than an hour and a half long. So it's mm. like very, it's like, quick and to the point and it doesn't waste time and it definitely has some like really really good set pieces and i was like holy shit like them in the tree does not make any sense but it works really well it doesn't but i really liked it (laughs) i was sitting going this isn't how this would happen this isn't this isn't how trees work no (laughs) but i was still like it's so amazing i love it but it was so fun so I don't even care. It's definitely a fun movie to watch if you're like, let's watch a weird slasher and like just like want to have fun and like and it's gross, but also not like super scary. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, throwback to anything for Jackson. Julian Richings is in this. He's oh my God, Gina. Wow. He's a uh, yeah, and he Didn't plays recognize. the <laughs> and he plays the um the older the husband in anything for jackson and he is three fingers in this he is the one that gets attacked in the tree and then ends up showing up at the end 
Wow. Yeah. Well, he was um completely unrecognizable, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Wow. Yeah. So that was a cool. wrong turn. That was wrong turn. And so back to our Giallo journey. No more uh. Christmas movies. So, uh. Terry, what did we watch this for this week? Well, I do have a question for you, uh, Mary Beth. <laughs> um, what have you done to Solange? <laughs> and no, I don't mean Beyonce's sister. But I must know. And I realize that it's going to take like an hour and a half before we finally find out what happened to Solange. But what have you done to Solange, Mary Beth? (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I'm sorry. I can't stop laughing. It was because I I tweeted about it yesterday and I thought it was such a funny joke. And then I remember that Beyonce's sister was named Solange and everyone was like, what? I was like, oh, fuck. I totally like didn't even think about that. Like, just so out of it. I was like. Oh, this is a joke for like three people. Um, and I said, who is Solange and what has been done to her? And everyone's like, what happened to Beyonce's sister? I was like, oh, shit. Do you know how many people probably Googled that? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God, what happened to Solange now? I know. I was like, uh-oh. And then I said, Steve, I'm watching um, What Have You Done to Solange? She's like, Beyonce's sister? I'm like, God damn. <laughs> so... And then Terry texted me and was like, Mary Beth, I have a question for you. I was like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> and he was like, what have you done? To- <laughs> I mean, it, it fits, right? <laughs> it's very, it's very good. It just makes me laugh. And this movie's not funny. <laughs> no. It's not funny. This not movie. Funny at all. This is. Uh, so, okay, Terry, um, what is this movie about? <laughs> what is this movie about? It is. <laughs> About a teacher having an affair with one of his students, which... Who was in high school? Who was in high school? in high school. And so that's ick as it is. (laughs) And while he is trying to put the moves on her in a boat on the Thames, even though it does not look like the Thames at all, she sees a, a naked woman running through the woods and then sees a knife, um, go into her vagina, I guess. Yeah, that's about, that's it. Yep. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then it becomes a murder mystery where the police believe that the teacher, whose name is Enrico, is the killer. And he becomes a junior detective, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, once again, in a giallo, a man who has nothing to do with police force becomes a junior detective and is going to solve the case before the police. (laughs) But what I will say is different about this one is that this one definitely kind of merges a little bit of the the sort of detective story where you have the cops because for a big portion of it, yeah. it's more about the cops tr- looking into Enrico and, and you have Enrico basically being pretty passive. And then once he's kind of cleared, he somehow gets more involved in the i know well that was one thing that like that was kind of confusing in this i was like wait whose story <laughs> whose story is this because it does change perspectives a few times but this is um this is by far the sleaziest giallo Oof. we've watched so far Oof. by like a long shot it's pervy <laughs> it's pervy there is a lot of nipple there is a lot of oral sex and there's a lot um, of bush is a lot of bush and um mostly of young women like not like i mean i don't know how old the actors were but these women are portraying high school students and there is yeah. a lot of nudity of high school students 
And so that's kind of gross. And their story is kind of gross. The story, the story is like, it go- <laughs> you don't find out who Solange is until 20 minutes before the end. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, does this have a lot to say about abortion. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> what? Camille Keaton, who plays um, Jennifer and I Spit on Your Grave, is Solange. Oh. So I was like, oh. I know who that is. It's Camille Keaton, which is even weirder. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. She was an I Spit on Your Grave and she's Solange, the titular Solange. And this whole thing is about abortion and how it drove Solange crazy. <laughs> Because she was forced to get an abortion. <laughs> but was she forced? I don't... <laughs> so, okay. I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was interesting. I The politics <laughs> of it are very bad. The politics are terrible. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting to see these kind of, like, political takes in Giallo. But this is... The, the politics of this one are just straight up terrible. Like, very Catholic. Very Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Very Catholic. Yeah. You know, it almost it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, not the story surrounding Enrico mostly, but like of of these young women who are involved in sex games. Or at one point I wrote this down in all caps, lesbian games, because they say this (laughs) at one point. Or geez, lesbian (laughs) games, (laughs) lesbian games. I was like, ah, I love that. I love that. Do more lesbian play, games. I, I I'd play a lesbian game. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But but what? Okay. But that storyline about the 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 girls and what they get involved with and what ends up happening to them and why this all falls out reminds me of like the sort of morality tales that you would get around like um earlier earlier movies that were trying to like warn about the ills of having premarital sex or of, you know, partaking in drugs or of drinking or of what have you, that whole storyline feels like it could have been in an earlier movie about what, what young women should not do. (laughs) Well, and I thought, I mean, this is obviously me wanting to see all movies about women forever, but like, I wanted to see a movie from the girl's perspective. I didn't want it filtered through the lens of what men, like men were interpreting as. I wanted no. to see more about these, these like female friendships and how like they're on their bikes, on their bikes going to the place where Solange is getting the abortion. And like, they're kind of laughing. It's not like this, like sad, melancholy situation where like, she's being dragged. Like there is joy in their friendship. Yeah. So like, yeah, I I, I didn't really I understand that. <laughs> I, I know like, it's very. They portray this relationship as joyful, and like the entire time she's shown like consensually getting an abortion, but then she until the needle comes out. Then until it seemed the needle like, comes out, and they're holding her down, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Is this a thing that Solange wanted, or is it not? I didn't understand that. Well. I interpreted it as she did want it, and but she, I don't think she was like ready for the pain. Which no, what I mean, like we've seen this kind of like kind of like back alley abortion scenes are seen in quite a few movies, and I don't like it's painful. And yeah. I think they're using that pain to kind of warp it into she was forced and she went crazy. But I per- I perceive the whole thing as a consensual 
act. Yeah. But then, I mean, I don't know. What I did love, though, is how in the last 30 seconds, like literally the last 30 seconds of the movie, the inspector basically spills the entire plot, just in case you were confused as to what happened in the last half of the movie. It's like the end of Psycho. (laughs) (laughs) Just like spills it out and then it's like end credits roll scene. So it was so funny. I was like literally laughing that he just basically comes in and is like, well, this is what happened. And now we're done. Goodbye. Have a good night. Yeah, it's a it's a perplexing film. I will say that the death of Elizabeth, who is Enrico's student uh, mistress, I guess, her death was legitimately upsetting. It was so upsetting. I was so mad that she like she is portrayed as a main character, and then this movie this movie definitely pulls some punches. It's very interesting the kind of twists and turns it takes. Yeah, it's very twisty. It is very twisty. It's on Shutter as part of their Giallo collection, and it's weird, and it's a, it's definitely sexier than most Giallo that we've watched so far. But I think it's worth a watch. It's weird, but yeah. it's it's enjoyable. <clears throat> it's like ex it's like borderline exploitation film. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that it's coming from seventy two, where like yeah. the the grindhouse sort of films are because it. It definitely feels a bit more, like you said, ex- exploitation film than some of the other giallos we've watched. Yeah. But I think that's what's interesting going through these and, yeah. and seeing different directors tackle this uh, subgenre. I agree. I think – and it's – I mean, I don't – all. I mean, okay, all horror is political, but this giallo in particular seems much more pointedly political mm-hmm. than a lot of the other ones we've watched. I think there's a lot to say and I'll yell about like gender politics and everything. But this one is very, very much making a statement about like a very obvious political issue, which is something I don't think we've really seen either. So, hmm. No. So that was uh, what have you done to Solange? (laughs) And what – speaking of what have you done, what have you done to (laughs) found footage? What what have you been watching here? (laughs) Tried. I tried. I tried. So I tried to do so, a segue. Okay, yeah, I watched another found footage movie. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, this one is called Cronewood, and this was like shockingly amazing. Um, so the synopsis is very simple: a young couple soon regrets going on a camping trip. Um, basically, <laughs> <laughs> this couple have they've met, they've been together, they've went on a one date. It's been twenty four hours, and they're they're so enamored with each other that they don't want to stop being around each other. So they decide to go on a camping trip <clears throat> and they go on camping in this place called Cronewood, which is, it's an, and this is not, this takes place in Ireland mm-hmm. and it's like, Ooh, spooky woods, but it's not really that spooky, but guess what? There is spooky shit in the woods. And it is, I found out about this on one of my found footage groups. I'm in um, on some either Reddit or Facebook, but I think the reason why I enjoyed it so much is because it does something very fascinating with the idea of sex and nudity in found footage, which is something I've been really Hmm. curious about and thinking a lot about lately, because it's pretty common in found footage for there to be a scene where the guy leaves the camera on to film while they're going to have sex, and then the girl sees it and is like, nah, gross, what the fuck? And the guy's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted to have fun. And it's like this annoying trope that like has frustrated me quite a bit mm-hmm. and i haven't really known how to talk about it because i'm like i mean it's just guys being gross and like voyeurism but then so this movie gave me something to really think about because it inverts that expectation and does some really interesting things about consent and also sexual assault of men um oh. which is never seen in horror and it's a really 
interesting interpretation of that, not even interpretation, a depiction of the sexual assault of a man. And it's upsetting, but in a way it's like, uh, this is like one of the first like depictions I've seen of this that isn't like a joke, doesn't play it as a joke or isn't like, it's like a serious depiction. And it also goes from the man holding a man holding his camera to a woman holding her camera, which is again a really interesting inversion of the gazes in the film. Hmm. And so I just there's just some really cool things going on with like gender politics in this movie that I really enjoyed seeing played with because they're not found footage doesn't really play with that a lot. And that's I mean, that's just not really a thing found footage covers super often, I think, is like gender dynamics. I think you can see them in the films, but a lot of the time, like it's not as obvious. It's like a man holding a camera and a woman holding a camera and what that means. Like maybe the the camera person will change, but in this it's very obvious the gender of the camera person is different and how it shifts from a male gaze to more of a female gaze. And it is absolutely fascinating. And really enjoyable. I thought it was real, and it's full core. I should have mentioned that it's um found footage full core, which is really cool. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed it. I was very surprised by it. I continue to be surprised by these movies, which is amazing. And it's like really been amazing. Just like I've watched so many found footage movies in 2020. 2020 has been kind of the year of me really discovering my love for the technique and the subgenre and diving into the weirdness of found footage and just every time i'm surprised by what people create and it's really awesome to see how unique like what unique stories that can be told with found footage and how it still continues to surprise me so that's interesting and you said it was full core as well it's full core yes found footage full core hmm. i've talked about webcast before so it's not <clears throat> so it's like webcast in that kind of subject matter but okay very different in execution and it's streaming on amazon prime and i think it's also on voodoo so I would give that a shot, especially if you're a found footage person and like or like full core. It's really quite interesting. And you see basically you see from the perspective of a man getting chased by a monster, and then you get the perspective like the first half is like the people getting chased by monsters and scare quotes, and then that back half is the monsters viewing the people. Huh. I don't know. I thought it was cool. And again, that sounds like cool. I probably think too much into this shit, but like it's just real cool to see found footage play with that kind of stuff and play with expectations about that kind of like camera holding the camera and like who's the villain and yeah so very much enjoyed that one that sounds really actually really interesting yeah the director is really kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's very good you should watch it again and then it's like a good found footage horror film and it's not that long <laughs> well there you go put that on the poster yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's very enjoyable. Awesome. Um, so that is what I have been watching this week. Terry, what giallo are we watching for next week? Next week, we are going for little cuts. We're going to talk about uh, full cheese entry into giallo with Don't Torture a Duckling, which I've seen before. It's really good. And I can't wait to talk about with Mary Beth. I'm so excited. I saw the description. It's about child murder. Woohoo. It's um Can't it's a wait. heavier one. It's it's <laughs> we're kind of like I mean we're pivoting quite hard from this very uh sleazy one to a very serious uh story that is it has some really shocking moments in it and an ending that 
just makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> but I love it. But yeah, so that is also playing on Shudder. Don't torture a duckling. And I, I can't wait to discuss about this one. Yes, I am very excited to watch this one. This has been on my list for a minute. And so I'm very, very excited. I actually didn't realize it was Giallo because I have just seen the title everywhere. And I don't know why it didn't click that it was Giallo, but also it's a sentence title. So I should have just made that connection. (laughs) But I'm very excited. I feel like we definitely are moving away from like the more well-known ones or like the ones that people talk about all the time, like Deep Red and... Argento. It's kind of cool to be like maybe going into not lesser known because they still they're just Fulci, but it's kind of cool to go into the ones that are a little more off the beaten path, I guess. Well, I'm also like really enjoying kind of spreading out who we're watching because you can kind of see how different directors are tackling this sub subgenre with oh yeah vastly different tones <laughs> and subject yes! matter for a yes! movie that has very a very like. Structure some very structured like tropes that you know are established. So, yeah. And then our main feed on Monday. Who are we talking to about what, Mary Beth? <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We are talking <sighs> to Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale fame. You've heard his mm. voice before if you listen to that podcast. Um, we are talking to him about this weird ass Disney movie called <laughs> Something Wicked This Way Comes. And boy, oh boy, it's a treat to talk about because it's a weird one. Um, it is a weird one. And he brings such a, a great uh, perspective to it. I, I love discussing this movie with him. It was so good. He really does. Um, have fun trying to find it on the internet. Um, it exists like there nowhere. Is, there is a YouTube, <laughs> a very choppy YouTube version that someone has put up. But yeah, this is one that even though it's Disney, I don't, I don't understand why it's not on Disney Plus with some of their other... Uh, movies from the 80s. Um, Disney said, uh, no, thank you. We don't need anyone to remember <laughs> that this was ours. Because <laughs> it's, it's pretty freaky. Like, it's not, it does not feel like a children's movie. Let's just put it that way. No, it's very somber, too. Yeah, but it's very somber. You'll hear us all talk about that on Monday, and it's a great conversation. Can't wait. Seriously, it's so fun. So, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Have you, have, did you watch a film that we watched and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movie we can, movies we can talk about? Send us an email, scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to us directly on Twitter. You can't see me brandishing my nail file at my computer like a pointer. <laughs> I was going to say, you sound very like pointed right now. Do this. I know, you I'm... must. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> today is the day... Today is the start of my five-day vacation so i have just completely forgotten how to be a person already um <laughs> follow us on twitter i'm at mb mcandrews and i'm at gaily dreadful and of course don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at scarred podcast and don't forget to review rate and subscribe thank you to sean Bar- sean bartold oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh... I, was, I was keeping it together so- <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> I'm not cutting this, by the way. Good. You shouldn't. <laughs> we can make fun of my absolute brain for at the very end of the episode where I just like forgot how to do our outro. Like the one part that I've done every time for over a year. Anyway, thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. Oh.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.